Jesus. And over the last four weeks, God has been doing big things. Can you not feel it in the atmosphere this morning? God has been doing big things each and every week. Four weeks ago, I spent a two-week space talking about reaching the one, going after the one, making one a priority. The Bible says that you leave the 99 for the one, that heaven rejoices when just one repents over oh, more than the, one, than the 99 who don't need repentance. There is a responsibility to us to go outside of the church. And so we started dealing with that. In the process, God began to give me a fresh new mission for the church. And it was very simple. And I said, God, I've made these big mission statements all 12 years of this ministry. And he said, I need you to simplify this thing because it really is just about loving God and loving people. But the Bible says to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. So we've spent the last four weeks understanding that God has a purpose for us in the earth, that it is greater than receiving things. It's more about reaching things than it is about taking in things. The culture today is more of a demanding space that says, God, give me, give me, give me. And this is the question that I'm stuck with every week of my life, that the more we ask God to give me, give me, give me, it requires a greater of you rather than of him. Because in order he, if he's going to give more to you, then you're going to have to give more of yourself. God, give me more of you. Have you given me all of you? God, pour out your spirit. Have you poured out your life to me yet? God, give me a fresh new anointing. Have you given me your entire being yet? Because if you haven't, we, this is a reciprocated relationship. But unfortunately, in the culture today, we have created a one-sided space where we beg God to move, and we don't move at all. And God says in the next season of what I want to do, I am igniting something on the inside of my people that makes them move more than they stand. I need you to understand that reaching the one, loving God and loving people does not just happen because we go to an altar one Sunday and surrender our lives, but because we are willing to allow God to do his greatest work in us and through us. That we can desire for God to use us, but in order for him to do that, we must first desire him to change us. Yesterday, when I was sitting in this room ministering to the ones that were in here, God said to me, he said, before you reach the one, will you let him win you? Will you become the one he can win, or will you become his one? Have you given him everything that you are? For so long, believers have tried to lead others to the potter's wheel and encourage them to allow God to work on them. But my question for you today is that, does he have the same rights to work on you? You go, man, if I could just get them to God, if I could just get them to God, God would do a miracle in their lives. But yet you haven't began to walk in the miracle of your life yet because you keep bringing everybody else to the time slot or the, the, res the reservation space that God really wants to do a work in you. Here's a greater question. When you bring people to the potter's wheel, does the potter know that who you are or is he meeting you for the first time? Because here's what we do. We tell God, fix everybody else, but don't fix me. And let me help you with one other thing. You can't just go to the potter's wheel one time. you got to keep going back. you got to keep climbing back up on that thing and saying, God, there's some kinks in me. God, there's some spaces in me. God, whatever you see that I can't, please deal with me. We all want the mission. We, I hear people, Pastor, I don't want to know what my calling is. I can tell you what your calling is right now. You want to hear it? He's calling you. Pastor, what's my calling in this life? What's my mission in this life? He's calling you. He needs you to answer first. Not do first, but answer first. 
Respond first. Come to him first. Fall at his knees. Fall at his feet first. Fall on your knees and worship him. Give him everything you've got. Then you can reach the one. Then you can love God and love people. This morning I want to share with you what God has laid in my heart since Tuesday of last week. About the three steps to you fulfilling everything that God has for you. But I need you to understand this. These three steps are not, well, I'll do one, and then God will lead me to do number two, and then God will lead me to do number three. No, this is a daily three-step process that if you will be willing to walk in this, God will use you in such a supernatural way, your life will never be the same. Now, some of y'all looking at me like I'm crazy right now because you go, Pastor, I know I'm being used by God. I'm going to check you real quick this morning because I'm going to find out. Because let me help you with something. Half of what we tell, we're, tell ourselves we're being used by God for, we're not even being used to our full potential. We have, just because you show up to church doesn't mean you're used by God. Just because you walk and pray for one person every three months doesn't mean you're used by God. That was just the once every three months you say yes. Because when you're used by God, you're not used by God one time. You're used by God every minute, every second, every millisecond of every day. When you tell God, I'm your vessel, that says that I don't claim myself any longer. You claim me. And whatever it is you want me to do, I'll do it. There is a yes movement that's about to take place in the church. Not a, oh, well, maybe one day, maybe, maybe eventually, maybe, maybe, maybe next week, maybe next month. May God work a little more on me, and then I'll be ready. Pastor, I don't want to step up there. I'm not ready. I'm not, you're right. You're not ready, but God is. Quit telling God what you can't do and start telling him you just do it. And it'll shake you and it'll move you out of your comfort zones. But you might as well just let go and let God do it. You ready for this? Telling you, you better you underline in your Bibles, write notes, whatever you got to do. But do not miss this because I'm telling you this will shake you to the core. Ready? Psalm 51, verse 10. Here it comes. I'm going to read you the whole section of verse and then we're going to come back and break it down for you this morning. 51, verse 10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Let's pray. Father, we need your help. God, what you're getting ready to do, not just in this house, but in churches all across this nation. Father, we need you. Father, we repent for pushing you to the corner while we do our programs and our processes. But Father, we need you to take center stage this morning. Father, I need them to hear your voice more than they hear mine. I need them to hear your declaration over them more than they hear what you've asked me to pin on a piece of paper. Father, let these words penetrate every fiber of who they are. So that we can go to another level in you. So that we can raise up in this hour and be counted. We give you praise for it now. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Go back to verse 10 for me because we're going to break this down this morning. Verse 10 says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Now in order for God to use you, you must allow him to create or be your creator. Now you understand that the Bible says that God created everything. He was the creator of the heavens and earth. He created everything. The Bible says that he created you in your mother's womb. That word formed is to create. He formed you. He created you in your mother's womb. Before you were ever breathed into this life, he placed you. He was intimate with you. He knew you. Here's the crazy part. God had all of that creation on the front end. But we do not let God have all that creation in the middle. 
We say, God, do your greatest work. And God says, I got to create. No, no, don't create. Just fix. Because here's what we've done. The word create is defined as this, to bring something into existence. To take nothing and make everything. To take something and bring it into existence. But there's also another definition about four definitions down. To cause something to happen as a result of one's actions. And God showed this to me. He said, Brian, the people of God are not allowing me to create something or bring something into existence in them any longer. They're just asking me to fix what they screwed up. They're running to me and saying, God, 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 be the creator. Fix me. And God says, no, I formed you. You keep asking me to repair you. And if you really had a knowledge of me, I, would have to, I wouldn't have to repair you anymore. We would walk together because I would be your creator. And you would be my creation. I would understand. Watch, watch. Adam and Eve were God's creation. They knew God. They were intimate with God. And then sin crept in. And they separated from God's voice. So much so that when Adam heard God walking through the garden, he hid himself. You know he knew, but there was a doubt in his mind who was coming because he went from being a creation and God being a creator to God being the fixer of his sin. The problem in the church for so long is that we keep asking God to fix, I'm going to say it, our ignorance, our stupidity. Because I'm just going to say this to you. Deliberate disobedience is stupid. It's just you choosing to ignore what God's already told you. And then saying, God, I'm sorry. You're not sorry because if you were sorry, you wouldn't have done it in the first place. I know that's old school parental teaching. But I need you to understand that there is, a, there is an epidemic in the church today that says just keep running back to God. Just keep running back to God. What if, what if, and I'm not saying this is happening, but what if? What if God says you've used up your runbacks? Because what we do is we live in this hyper grace rather than full repentance. Repentance, 180 degrees from who you formerly were, not 60 degrees or 90 degrees so you can still see where you used to be so you can dibble-dabble back and forth. He said, create in me a clean heart. Now, just so you understand, this is David crying out to God after he sinned with Bathsheba. But I need you to understand, I'm not using this to refer to a sinful nature in you. I'm using this to refer to you, to refer to a greater place of a walk in you. Because listen to me, David, the Bible says that David was a man after God's heart. He knew God, even when through his sin and his mistakes, when he killed Uriah, when he slept with Bathsheba, whatever he did, he still had a desire for God to change him, not fix him, change him. He said, God, create, do something greater in me, bring into existence, because I am not clean, I am not holy, and I need you to be holy on the inside of me. Clean this heart, cleanse my lips change my life, do something greater. But here's what I was thinking about the other day. He said, create in me a clean heart. I talked to you about this when I talked about loving God. It says, to love the Lord God with all your heart. Heart is a temporal place. It is a now existence. He said, God, clean up my life where I stand right now. Well, well, pastor, you just have to understand it's a process. I've watched people get delivered from drug addictions in that fast. I've watched people stop smoking overnight that fast. I've watched marriages that were broken and downtrodden and destroyed get healed that fast. Why? Because they're saying, God, create in me a clean heart, a clean right now, not a clean next week, not a clean next month, a clean right now. When was the last time you asked God to clean up your right now? 
Create my right now, God. I'm tired of creating my right now. You create my right now because I'd much rather be in what you can create than what I keep creating. He says, create in me a clean heart, oh God. You and I should desire to live with a clean heart each and every day of our lives. A clean heart is a clean life today, a right now, clean of sin, clean of guilt, clean of condemnation, clean of worry, clean of confusion, clean of whatever you've been carrying and what you brought into church with you this morning. And when he says, create in me a clean heart, he's saying, bring it into existence. Be the creator of my life that is free and not bound. One that desires freedom instead of desperately trying to find it when I'm willing to walk in bondage. Because let me help you with something. Bondage is not always an assignment of the enemy. Sometimes we bind ourselves. And then we tell God to unwrap us. And God goes, how? I came to break the sin of bondage or the bondage of sin. Not your ignorance to wrap yourself up because you needed attention. Oh, God, I'm wrapped up. Then unravel yourself. Because I didn't put in the enemy. Can I just say this to you? I, I get real tired of a church that always claims the devil and doesn't claim God. Oh, Satan this. Oh, Satan that. Oh, are you the righteousness of God? Is he pleased in you? Do you have right relationship with him? Do you understand what your position is with the Father when you are found in him? Do you understand that the Bible says that the enemy has to scatter? Do you really catch this? But what we've done is we've made the Satan the villain because every good guy has to have a bad guy. Every good guy has to have a villain that, that, that fights against good so that we can, so we can use it as our scapegoat for improper behavior. God I, God, I tried, but you know the devil. He showed up. Well, why weren't you prayed up? The devil, God, you know, man, I've been trying so hard, and the devil just keeps walking in. Well, why'd you leave the back door open? I told you I've come to create a brand new thing, do a great new thing in you, but you keep bringing the old junk back in. But God, it's the, no, it's you. I love when people go, Pastor, I go, people, how, how are you doing today? And they go, Pastor, you know, it's, it's been a really good week, but, but man, the devil, he oh, I get nauseous when I start to hear that. I understand the devil's place in the earth. I understand the Bible says he comes to seek, kill, and destroy. But what? Those who will willingly allow him in. Those who don't check their armor with God. Those who do not pursue God. Those who wander into places that God is not. No, I'm going to follow God all the days of my life so that as I'm walking with him and I'm talking with him, I know that the enemy can't come get me. My daughter's trying to send me a message. She rolled me a mint across the stage. Amen. <laughs> She saw this little white thing rolling up. I was looking, I caught out the prayer from my eye. I'm like, oh, Jesus. I didn't know what that was at first. Why, why, we've got to get to a place where God says, I have not just a place in their heart. I am their heart. Yeah. Woo! That's a life. Here, when God has the fullness of who you are, you don't have to invite him back in. He dwells. He rests. He abides. Ah, your words become his words instead of the foul words you use when someone cuts you off. Amen. <sighs> if the creator creates, it's not just for a moment or a season, but for an eternity. God does not speak something into existence that he does not desire to live. And if you don't believe that, just ask the sun and the moon, the stars in the sky or the lilies of the field. 
When he spoke them into existence, they continue on and on. If, if you have not found this out yet, that when God spoke creation into nothing, it just kept traveling. That's how you got here. He said, created me a clean heart. Are you willing to allow God to wash away the dirt, the pain, the grief, the struggles of your existence so that your heart can beat again? Each day, each and every day, you must allow God to create, to bring into existence something brand new. If his mercies are new every morning, then you probably should be on the potter's wheel every morning. But what we've done is we've asked God to be merciful and us stay ignorant. We've asked God to be merciful and then refuse to crawl up in his lap and let him change us, to let him shift us, to let him cultivate us, to let him do a brand new work in us. God, I don't need you to fix my existence or my ignorance in my existence. God, I need you to bring into existence what you want me to be. Let Brian die so that you can live. More of him, less of me. That's what I desire more than anything. That I might die, that this, this being might die. That I am alive not in myself, but I am alive in Christ. Once you've allowed him to create, now you must allow him to renew. Look at verse 10 again at the second part of that. It says, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Some versions say a right spirit. Some versions say a loyal spirit. And I thought about this because I've heard this taught over the years where people say, well, he wants to renew a righteous spirit. That's not what it says. It doesn't say anything about righteousness. It says a consistency. A consistent behavior rather than a seasonal behavior or an emotional response. He wants a consistent walk. He didn't say you got to run. He said just walk with me each and every day. Choose to walk. Be consistent and renew a consistency. David's fighting in this moment because he's battling with consistency. How many of you battle with consistency? I battle with consistency. Hello. I wake up one morning, I don't read my word, I don't pray, I don't do the things I'm supposed to do. And by the middle of the day, I'm like, oh, now I know why all hell's breaking loose. Uh, okay, God, I got it. You got me. I got it. Okay, I'm coming back. Why? Because God demands consistency in our walk. Okay, you got a job. How many of y'all got a job in the room? You got a job? If you're not consistent with your job, what are you? Fired. You're unemployed. You no longer have a job any longer. You are now gaining nothing. You are receiving nothing. Why is it not the same with God that when we decide to follow God, why do we not stay consistent with God? But yet we demand God to move with our lack of consistency. We demand, God, give me what's mine. God says, you haven't even reported for duty yet. How do I keep pouring out my blessings, pouring out my spirit, giving you everything you want? And then I don't even know you because I don't even see you. Because we don't have time together. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I don't even know you. He says, not only created me, bring into existence a brand new life in me, but God, I need you to renew a loyalty on the inside of me. Now, loyal is a bad word because loyal is not used in the world today. Church hopping comes from lack of loyalty. I, I love when people come to me and go, Pastor, I'm leaving the church. Okay. Can I ask you a question before you go? If you want to go, I demand it's your choice. Can I ask you a question before you leave? Did God stop moving here? I'm just wondering. Did you used to hear from God when you came out? Oh, Pastor, I used to hear from God all the time when I was here. So what happened? I'm just not growing here anymore. I love that statement. I, I, that statement freaks me out. Because if you're pursuing God, you'll constantly grow. You'll constantly grow. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't move you in seasons and God doesn't move you to other places where he can do a greater thing in you. I'm not against that. But let me help you something. When people leave churches out of pain, unless I'm guilty of it, 
They're only moving because they refuse to grow, not because they're not growing. They're telling God, I won't grow in that area. So I'm going to go find a church that won't deal with that area. But here's the truth of it. If they're a church that's following God, that area will eventually show up in that church too. And then they'll jump to another church. And then they'll jump to another church. Then they'll end up so far away from God that they don't even know what God looks like or sounds like anymore. And then they'll hit the revelation of isolation and desolation and wonder why in the world they can't hear from God anymore or even feel God anymore. And then they've got to start all over again. I'm talking about a lifestyle that says you don't have to restart every week of your life, but you can walk in the things of God every day of your life. He says renew, renew. Let me give you the definition of the word renew. To reestablish or give fresh life or strength to. To reestablish or give fresh life or strength to. After you allow him to create, then he has to be able to renew you. Reestablish or give strength to your consistency in him. And I love the word renew. You ever wonder why Jesus came to the earth and he was a carpenter? Because he was really good at restoring things. His occupation, his, his vocation, his job in the midst of, be, of being the Messiah was a carpenter. I've said this for years, and I, did, I didn't make this up. I stole this, but it's really good truth. The man on the cross next to Jesus, he said, remember me. Put me back together. I know who you are. I know you're the Messiah, but you're also a carpenter. You have an ability to see something in a broken me that I can't fix, but you can. See, here's the thing. If you can complain and talk about your brokenness and don't give it to God, then you enjoy being broken, and you don't want God to bring healing to you. When I get around people, all they do is complain about the same junk over and over and over and over again. My question is always, man, when are you going to allow God to have his work in you? But God, they got to fix them. No, it's got to fix you. Got to fix you. Got to fix you. Because here's, here's, I'll give you, some of y'all weren't here yesterday, but so you'll, some of those of you here yesterday heard the story, but I'll give the story again. The other day, I went to get some lunch. And, and when my wife and I were dating, she'll tell you this, I gave her a lot of flowers. Amen. I went broke giving her flowers. Amen. <laughs> Wish I'd get some of that money back today. Amen. I got four kids. Amen. Okay. I, I gave her flowers. I, I did. And, and so the other day I was driving, I was getting some lunch, and God laid it on my heart and said, go buy your wife some flowers. Oh, the ladies went, oh. And, and so I bought her flowers, and I snuck into where she was working that day, and I, I handed them on the car and said, I'm leaving. Give them to her. Because I didn't want to make it an issue. I just wanted to be a blessing. I wanted to give it to her. Right? So here's what happened. I haven't told her this story yet. So, so, so I leave. And, and, and I handed her the flowers. And I, I thought, well, because I, I kind of said it like this. These are for Tiffany. Make sure she gets them. And she was like. But there was a doubt in my mind that maybe she didn't get the flowers. So I, I, I get back. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm being like that anxious little boy waiting for his wife to call and say, thanks for the flowers, babe. But the text message never came. <laughs> she was busy. She was cutting hair. She was doing her thing. But I was waiting for that response. And I was eagerly waiting for that response. Then I was frustratedly waiting for that response. <laughs> Why isn't she texting me? So then I called the salon and I was like, listen, I brought those flowers in. Did they get to Tiffany? The lady on the other line of the phone, I almost fell out laughing because she's like, uh-huh, yeah, she got them. She was frustrated. I, don't th- I think she was frustrated because she didn't get any flowers that day. Amen. But that's all right. I'm going to have to bring her flowers or send them through my wife because if I bring them, that could look really weird. But anyway, uh, so, so I, I'm like, okay, we're good. So the flowers are there. I know that they're there, but I still get no text message. <laughs> Last time I do flowers. Mm-hmm. 
And then all of a sudden, she sends me a picture. I'm like, oh, but there's still no conversation. No love you, babe. No thank you, babe. Just a picture. I know what the flowers look like. I bought the stupid things. <laughs> then about two minutes later, love you, babe. See, look, she keeps going, I was busy. I know she was. Baby, let me get to the point. You'll understand where I'm at in a second. She's like, you're calling me out. No, she didn't do anything wrong. I'm sitting in my office. I'm waiting for this response, and God goes, you do me the same way. He says, you do things for me, and then you expect an instantaneous response. And the only reason you expect an instantaneous response is because you don't know how much I appreciate you already. And he reminded me, he began to renew, reestablish my understanding of who he is in my life. I don't need a phone call. If I'm confident in the love between her and I, she ain't got to say a dang word. Because if I'm doing it for a response, I'm doing it to appease my own ego rather than to touch her heart. Watch what happened. All this starts changing. I know I freaked her out this morning. She got up. She got in the shower. Because I, 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 she kept hitting the snooze button and hitting the snooze button and hitting the snooze button. I'm like, obviously, you set that alarm for a reason, baby. You need to come get up. You want to take a shower? She's like, I'm going to take a shower. I said, I'll turn your shower on for you. So I go turn her shower on. She gets in the shower. And, and all of a sudden, I find myself in the kitchen making her a cup of coffee. And then I come and I bring her a cup of coffee. And she's like, I know what she's thinking. She's like, what, what's, what's going on? What's his expectations? Nothing. Nothing. Why? Because in that one moment, God began to reestablish something on the inside of me that says love her. Love her as if I would love her. Love her without expecting anything in return just because you say you love her. And the same thing with you. Loyalty is birthed out of true love. A loyal spirit is birthed out of your true love for God. If you are not loyal to God, then you cannot say that you love God. You could just say you like him when the timing's right, when it feels good. God is saying, I want to renew a loyal spirit in you to him. Not to the church, not to worship, not to, to him. To walk with him and talk with him. He says, create in me a clean heart, renew a steadfast or a loyal spirit on the inside of me. Then in verse 11, it says, do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Can I just ask you this question? Do you desire to dwell in God's presence or just visit it on Sundays? Well, well, okay, well, y'all felt it. Y'all felt it at the end of worship. Come on. This place was erupting like a keg of dynamite was getting ready to pop off in this place. What if that hits you Monday morning? Woo! Why can't it? Well, Pastor, we don't have psalmists, and we don't have singers, and we don't have a band, and we don't have worship team. Pastor Ben and Pastor Katie aren't there, and Carmina and Rebecca aren't there, and the band's not there, and, and Pastor, you're not there to keep us going. And, and, and shh. Because all of that was birthed out of him creating and renewing. Then his presence begins to dwell. Do you just want to visit it on Sunday, or do you want to feel it on a Monday? Do you want to feel it and walk in it? Do you want to... Psalm 1611 says, in your presence is fullness of joy. And your right hands are pleasures forevermore. Can I help you some? You got a problem with lack of joy? You're probably not in the presence of God. You're probably in the presence of somebody else's opinions. Get off Facebook. Amen. It's not helping you. Can I just say this a sidebar? If you read Facebook more than you read your word, you got a problem. Sidebar. 
When we desire his presence, we never have to wonder if he is present. Watch what I just said. Some of y'all missed that one. When we desire his presence, not his presence, his presence, we never have to worry if he's present. I'm looking for God. I'm looking for God. It's because you, you don't dwell in his presence. Well, where's God? I don't feel him. He's not speaking to me. It's because you're not dwelling in his presence. You've got to start dwelling in his presence. He said, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't take your presence from me. Listen, I don't want a visitation. I want to dwell. I want to walk like David walked in Psalm 27, verse 4 through 5. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Listen, after he creates, after he renews, then I need to have a great desire for his presence, not excuses why I need to sit in my ditches. Well, I, I, can't, I can't find the strength to get up. I'm so tired. You know, weariness is not of God. Weariness is a spirit. Y'all understand that? Tired is because you've worked yourself. Weariness is a spirit. When you say, I'm weary, it's because you haven't put enough God into your energy. You haven't infiltrated enough God into your perspective. When you go, oh, 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 I'm so tired. I can't, I can't do this thing. And what you're telling God is, God, you're not my strength. I'm my own strength, and I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm weary. The Bible says that in your weakness, he now becomes what? Your strength. He becomes strong in you. All of these perspectives, the creating, the renewing, the spirit dwelling, these are all things you have to pursue on a daily space. Pastor, it's too hard. No, it's not. It's only too hard because you won't do it. Because when we say it's too hard, it's because we refuse to do it. But we will not refuse to do the things that satisfy the flesh. I'll use this as a case in point. I'm overweight. I don't mind saying that. Oh, pastor, you're not overweight. I look in the mirror. Hush up. Okay. But I also know I'm overweight because I do wrong things. But God touched my heart. How about you stop touching Burger King? God, heal my heart. How about you heal your, your addiction to food because there's something deeper in you that I want to heal? Oh, pastor, why do you got to go there? Because truth be told, you cannot complain what you're not willing to complain about what you're not willing to change. One thing I've desired of the Lord that I will seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. After he creates, renews, and I desire his presence, and here's the last piece of it. He says, restore to me the joy of what? Oh, here it comes. How many of y'all grew up in the church? How many of y'all have ever repeated this scripture that says, restore to me the joy of my salvation? Yeah. Everybody I've asked about this scripture all week long has said the same thing. My salvation, my salvation. It's not what the Bible says. I have figured this out. Here it goes. As long as it's your salvation, you'll have to keep coming back and getting it. Because you can't save yourself. He says, restore to me the joys of your salvation. In him I have joy. In him I have joy in me. That's why I brought him into my life is because in me I didn't have much joy. Or my joy was seasonal. Or my joy was moment, moments by moments. But he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. What I think is the reason that David kept slipping was because he kept trying to maintain his salvation rather than maintain his relationship. You're going to catch this one second. Stop trying to maintain your salvation and maintain your relationship. 
If you maintain your relationship, you will have no desire to walk out of it with him. Therefore, you will keep your salvation rather than walk away from your salvation. Now, let me say this to you for all of you biblical theological thinkers in the room. You cannot lose salvation because salvation is a free gift. But salvation comes when repentance is there. Repentance is turning from sin. You do not get salvation by grace. You get salvation by repentance. I know that's old school teaching for a lot of the church today because a lot of church today wants to play the hyper grace game where it says grace, 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 do whatever you want to do and you'll make it into heaven. Wrong. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says repent from your wickedness, repent from your evil ways, walk away from and then receive my salvation. So you can't have sin and salvation simultaneously. Light can't live with this darkness. So if we're trying to make sin live in salvation, if we're running around telling everybody that we're saved, but we're still sinning on the backside of the mountain, God sees you on the backside of the mountain. He knows what you're doing, and you are not saved. You are still bound to your sinful ways. And if you die in your sin, you will be separated from God. I know that's not, that's not popular teaching right there. Pastor, don't say that. We just want to go to heaven, then live for him. Let him create, let him renew, let his presence dwell, and let him restore to you the joy of... How many of y'all remember when you got saved? I might run around this room in a minute. Yeah. Remember when you got saved? Yeah. Man, you could do impossible things. Yeah. Ooh, God, me and you, we're going to knock it out. I'm going to win all my family. Then the first family member told you no. Yeah. Okay. See, well, I like no's because for every one no, there's a bunch more yeses coming. And then when you tell me no, that just gives me a bigger desire to press even harder. Because I'm going to let you see how big God is through me and through my family and through my marriage and through my children. And I'm going to let you see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I, am, I have joy in the restoration of my salvation that I have in him because my salvation is in him. Without him, there is no salvation. He said, restore to me the joy. Woo! Get up on a Sunday morning, and when that alarm clock goes off, woo-hoo-hoo, it's, yeah. When you wake up in the morning, you didn't die in your sin. When you wake up in the morning, you didn't go to hell. Could you get up and get excited? Look at your children and go, guess what? I didn't go to hell. Woo! No, we wake up and go, did it for one day. I guess he can do it for another one. I should be excited in my salvation. I'm not going to hell. I'm not going to be in torment. There's not going to be gnawing and gnashing of teeth. I'm going to walk in the presence of God. Woo! See, y'all look at me like I'm stupid right now. Y'all will shout for the saints. Y'all shout for your favorite football team, and if they are the 49ers. Uh -huh. I just did that for our youth pastor, that's it. We'll get joyful over everything else. But where is your joy in your salvation? Yeah. Yeah, Ooh, I'm trying to, God, I'm going to go this side. This side's talking better to me over here. Yeah. When will you get the joy of your salvation? Stop looking for the joy of your possessions and get the joy of your salvation. Stop getting the joy of all the handouts and the favor and the this and the that. God, I've got joy in your salvation. I woke up this morning in my right mind. Why is it we've forgotten this? Because salvation isn't the priority. The handout is. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. Take not your spirit from me, your presence from me. 
remove not your Holy Spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me by your generous spirit. God has a generous spirit. But if he can't create, renew, and restore, you'll never see it. Because only when he can put his hand into the vessel can he now lift up the vessel. David says, uphold me to lift me up by your generous spirit. Lift me up, God. Raise me out of this affliction. Raise me out of this moment. Raise me out of this struggle. Lift me up, God. And God says, I can do that when you let me into the vessel. Let me be your creator. Let me be your renewer. Let me be your restoration. Then I will lift you up. Stop asking God to pick you up out of something when you won't let him touch the vessel to get you out of it. And here's where it closes. 51 verse 12. I'm sorry, I, went, I, went, I missed one part. 51 verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Sinners shall. How many of y'all got family members that are in sin? Oh, come on, wave at me. I don't want to tell you, Pastor. Oh, listen, God knows. Might as well just raise your hand. Now, now let, me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me do this again. Let me do this one more time. I don't care how much you love them, how much you want them not to be there. How many of you have family members that are in sin? <laughs> I don't want to say it because I don't want to speak it. No, just call that sucker out. Yep, I got him. Got him. We got him. How many of you want them to be converted to Christ? Okay, you want to be converted. It doesn't start in them. It starts in you. See, you keep trying to treat, teach transgressors without him creating, renewing, and restoring you. So you're going to a worldly person, smelling like the world, looking like the world, and telling them that God's in that better answer. And their question to you is, when are you going to let him do it to you? Be careful when you go to people and say, hey, man, God's the way. They're going to find out if you're walking in that way real quick. They're going to watch you for a season. They're going to check you for a season. I don't, listen, when, when, when I understand the joy of his salvation, I don't have the right to walk away. I am bound to him. I have wrapped my arm with his arm. Wherever you lead, I'll follow. And sometimes that's been in precarious places in moments that I, God, why are we here? Why, why are we doing this? There have been moments where I'm like, God, I serve you, but then I don't. I have family members that, that attest God, or, or, or okay, I'll use my older brother because I know I can use him. He won't get mad at me for it. But my older brother led me to Christ. I mean, he, he walked with me in my relationship with God. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the backyard mowing grass one day with my older brother. I said, man, I want this so bad. He goes, you want it? I said, man, I want it more than anything. He goes, come on, let's pray together. We walked, whoo, we walked up and down that yard. And he just kept praying with me. And I'm pushing the lawnmower. And I'm, we're walking. I did two doors down from our parents' house. And we're pushing the lawnmower. And he just, he just walked with me, praying with me. And all of a sudden, it kicked. And he goes, you got it. I'm going to go work. And he went off and started weed eating stuff. And, 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 and I received it because I was, I was a kid. And, and I was battling depression. And there was things at home going on. And I remember trying to skip out. We were at a youth camp in Europe. And I remember all the, all the kids went down for devotion that morning, and I was tired. 
So I stepped into the window seal of the third story. I remember looking down, there was a wire fence, a med, uh, electrical fence with three cows in it. And I was bawling. I said, God, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired. And all of a sudden, I said, God, I don't know what to do. And literally, the moment I said that, my brother comes running across the room and he goes, Brian, what are you doing? And I turned back and I looked at him, tears running down my face. I said, I can't do this. And he reached, ran up to me and grabbed me, just held me. And we laid on that bed and he just, he held, he didn't say a word, he just held me. I went home from camp and I didn't even, for years I never told my mom the story because it was like, it went away. It, God healed me, he restored, he used my brother, but then something happened in my brother's life where he walked away from God. He began to tell me, bro, I get it, but I don't feel it anymore. And I started praying for my brother. All oh, that's God, what, what has happened? God, but God, I don't want to be that, that guy that he can't talk to because I'm, I'm the pastor now. And, and, and I do this thing that he used to do. And, but, but God kept telling me, Brian, stay steadfast. Don't quit. Stay loyal. I'll do a work. You just hang on. And I remember talking to him, and we'd get on the phone, and I couldn't talk about the move of the Spirit and the things of God. I couldn't talk to him about what God was doing in the church because he couldn't receive it. And I remember getting off the phone, I talked to my wife, and I'm like, God, I have nothing in common with him anymore. This sucks. I hate this. And then one day, I get a phone call from my uncle. He said, bro, listen, your brother's going to call you in a couple weeks. God's heard your prayers. What happened was, it didn't matter. I couldn't say it to him. I'm his brother. But he ended up in Denver, Colorado at his, his brother-in-law's house. And his brother-in-law sat him down and said, you need to listen. And began to speak life over him. Two weeks went by, my brother calls me. He goes, bro, I got to talk to you. And I said, what? He goes, I know you've been praying. I know you've wanted this to happen. He said, I'm going to tell you this the other night. I felt the Spirit of God for the first time in probably 10 years. And I'm being reminded of how good he is. He had taken his family out of church. He had taken his kids out of church. Nobody was attending church. I get a message the other day that my niece got baptized. Listen, when you let him create, when you let him renew, when you let him restore, don't you give up hope, baby, because in the end, he will make you valuable enough to win the lost. At some point, we got to stop making it about just living a life, but every day, God, here's mine. Create, renew, restore in me. In me. Not my wife, not my kids. Do it in me. Do you understand how much joy I had giving my wife her cup of coffee this morning? Because God was able to renew a space in me. Touching me. She's going, where's my coffee tomorrow? <laughs> Pray for me. Amen. But I didn't, I didn't, oh God, no. I had a desire to bless her. Yeah. When was the last time God changed you? Not just you sat in his presence and went on another day just to exist. I'm asking God that he changes me every day. That he creates, renews, and restores everybody's thing together.